feel sick. Not in the it's flu season way. Not in the sad way. Just sick as in a big old bundle of nerves. My boss just called me to outline what what if Shohei signs the plan would be for the show today. And the reason for this is because a few minutes ago, well, 20 minutes ago, more than a few. What is that? I think you just say 20 minutes ago. 20 minutes ago, John Morosi just tweeted, Source, Shohei Otani's decision is imminent. Possibly as early as today. <sighs> There's also, I woke up to this, these, some guy at Canadian Poly 101, JB, another JB who's doing God's work. Somehow, this guy, hell yes, JB, unless this doesn't turn out to be Shohei coming to Toronto, then I hate your guts for getting my hopes up. But he, uh, he, he noted that a, quote, a private plane from Anaheim Airport to Toronto has popped up on flight trackers departing at 9 a.m. Pacific time. So noon today, if the decision was coming, Shohei could be flying across the country to Toronto on a private jet. Potentially, according to internet sleuths. Hey, internet sleuths have been right before. The plane stuff has been decent. But yeah, we are now fully in Kauai private jet territory. Like we are, we have arrived. The parallels have become far too close. The parallels have become eerie. And I am simultaneously preparing myself for... Positive news, the biggest free agent in Canadian sports history landing here, changing my life forever, okay? This isn't about anybody else today. It's about me. This is my pocket. This is my time. Shohei Otani's sides of Toronto, it changes my life forever. I, I cannot tell you how much this impacts my summers. Like, I don't even want to go on vacation if Shohei Otani signs in Toronto. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go that's going to be better than where Shohei Otani plays baseball? I'm going to go to Europe instead of watch Shohei Otani rip bombs. Like, no, I don't, I don't need that. I'm, it's fine. Whatever's over there. It's, it's good. I'm, I'm just, what's here. I'll be Charlie Kelly never leaving Philadelphia, except for uh, JD Bugs never leaves Toronto during the summers because he doesn't want to miss any Shohei Otani games. Staycation at the Rogers Center Hotel. Dude, I got Arden's Welling coming on today. He's in studio 10 to 11. And I'm having him in today because the guy traveled to Japan in 2017 to go meet Shohei. He became, Arden became a, a bona fide celebrity in Japan, big in Japan, because he profiled Shohei Otani and he had all the scoops. He just, he got to shadow him. He got to watch him. He, he got to see the gate. He got to see the six foot five Shohei Otani walk the streets of Tokyo and then go dominate. And just, he got to be in the presence of greatness. But one of the things is actually Shohei, even though he was rich, lived at the dorms while he was playing for the Nippon fighters. He just, he's, he lived in the dorms. Millionaire, didn't care. This is basically, a, here's a Coles Notes preview of what's coming up with Arden. This is a dude who likes to sleep. And then when he's awake, he's thinking about or working on baseball or nutrition. One of those two things. And then when he's done those things, he likes to go back to bed. 
It doesn't appear that he needs a very lavish life. He likes to keep his money in his pockets. And so maybe, just maybe, that that's one of the appeals here is that, hey, you could live right downtown. You could be moments from the Rogers Center door. Maybe he will be the one. All I'm saying is maybe he will be the one who lives in the hotel. Maybe he will be the one that lives around here. Anyway, uh, yeah, the hopes are sky high here. We're going we're gonna to find out. We're going to find out probably today. That's, that I feel pretty good about. You might find out where Shohei Otani is going to play, the destiny of your Toronto Blue Jays, whether or not they're going to sign the world's biggest. Like, it, it's just a totally normal, fine day. Just a normal, totally fine, everything is average day where you might get New Bay Ruth or you might not. No big deal. No stakes whatsoever. It's fine. It's totally fine. Anyway, uh, we'll keep you posted throughout the day. Again, Arden's Welling is going to be in studio at 10 o'clock. Uh, and everybody, here's what I'll tell you. All hands are on deck, all right? All, all hands are available. Everybody's ready. It, they're in the battle stations, all right? So Sportsnet's going to have just an absolute ton of coverage, clearly. If anything ends up happening, you can bet your bottom dollar that you'll be covered on every single platform, no matter what happens here, including, yeah, what happens if he does sign? What happens if he doesn't? Ugh, John Morosi, you... That hurts. Okay. That, ugh, that made me say, I read that tweet. Did you see the latest tweet? Okay. This isn't the latest one from John Morosi. But I just saw Blue Jays in Otani, and I almost threw up on my microphone in excitement. He says, the Blue Jays are one finalist for Shohei Otani as his decision approaches, as I reported on MLB Network moments ago. So, yeah. Finalist. Finalist is, here's what I'll say. I, here's what I know. Here's what I actually know. Finalist is better than suitor. All right? <laughs> That's clear. You would rather be a finalist than a suitor. This went from long shot, this went from big splash, hope, to long shot, to suitor, to courting, to finalist. That's a pretty good timeline if you're a Blue Jay fan. This is a pretty good development if you're a Blue Jays fan. And this, this is going to be the part that sucks so badly if he doesn't sign because so many people are going to turn on the Blue Jays. So many people are going to say that they were never, you know, I've gone over this. There's going to be a very pessimistic, and that's just life, you know, and we're more exposed to this now than ever because of the internet and everybody having an opinion. And usually the angriest voices go to the top and uh, your brain is actually designed to take in negative feedback over positive feedback. And so you end up, feeling like that ends up being a bigger thing than it actually is. This is why even sometimes when I debate with the internet or I'll, I'll talk about a take, I, I wonder if it's just a straw man because it's only those like five people who actually tweeted it, but we just happen to see all of it. But this actually is a pretty damn incredible accomplishment for this organization, for this ownership group, like for you to, for this front office, for just about everybody involved that you were able to even getting the conversation for Shohei Otani in this meaningful of a way that when it's coming down to the 11th hour, um, and I know some of you would just be like, oh, you work for Sportsnet, so you say, and I genuinely believe this. Like, this is a huge win. I'm not going to say, I know when it, how it sounds when you say no matter what happens, like I'm jumping out ahead being like, oh, they did great. It's like, no, it's going to be crushing. It's going to be disappointing. 
And now there's going to be a ton of pressure on, yeah, the front office, ownership, everybody to try to build a better baseball team around the core that they already have for 2024 to try to drive up fan excitement after this. It's like it, fan excitement was already so low and now you've had this tease and the potential of this reality that coming down from it, I just personally speaking for myself, it's just, it's going to be really hard to turn it around and think, oh man, I'm stoked for the Blue Jay season. I like, I, it's just the way it is. So maybe, maybe, maybe they pull off some other heists. Maybe, maybe by the time, you know, April comes around, I'll be feeling different. I'll be starting to get nostalgic about baseball and I'll have convinced myself about all the best outcomes for the Toronto Blue Jays. But yeah, it's going to be a crushing blow. But either way, just what a time. This has been fun. This has been a really fun week chasing Shohei Otani, the ups and downs, the, the like you're going to remember this as a sports fan in the city for the rest of your life. It's just a question of whether or not it's going to be one of the biggest blows like Kawhi or yeah, a sports defining moment for the country, truly a Canadian heritage moment. This is going to be the biggest thing since the Raptors championship, obviously like it's uh, unquestionable that that's the, it's not the Dalton Varshow trade, you know, <laughs> it's, it's this, it would be this, this would be the biggest thing since Kawhi and his departure as a, where were you moment as a Toronto sports fan. So buckle up because yeah, I think the tw- next 24 hours are going to get wild. Um, the last 24 hours were not so good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They had a goaltender by the name of Joe wall who had started five straight games and who looked like he was really coming around and through the first two periods of a hockey game, well, two periods and a half against the Ottawa centers in the battle of Ontario, I thought that this kid was basically putting a stamp on this rivalry. That really hasn't been much of a rivalry for quite some time. Like we tend to overhype it because we want it to be the past, right? But I'm watching the first period of this game and it sucked. Nobody's hitting anybody. Everybody's just kind of skating around. It's it's a game of shinny and people paid, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to be in that arena last night. I went, what a disgrace, except for one kid, Joe Wall, who seemed to have the game of his life. He makes, by my count, four 10 bell saves. So just a unbelievable two cross creases on Tarasenko, one off of a tip from Josh Norris in front of the net that I still haven't quite figured out how he made the save. I've watched it five times, and I don't know how his body even was able to do it. And then he has a huge breakaway save. Brilliant night. Inspiring confidence, inspiring a real feeling amongst the fan base of, holy crap, maybe you got a guy. And not only do you got a guy, You've got a guy in a salary cap league who's making less than a million dollars a season, which is, as we all know, because we've all had to become capologists in the city, one of the most important things that you can have. A player that plays far exceeds their value, right? And goalies are lottery tickets, and maybe Joe Wall wasn't going to finish the season strong. And we've seen this before with tons and tons and tons of goaltenders, right? One month, a 980 save. The next month, 840 save, right? Just the, the fluctuations that you can have at this position, the fluctuations in the narrative. But yeah, all of a sudden the Leafs are bringing up a, now a, a, a former NHL goaltender who I think deserves some respect in Martin Jones, like a guy who, as far as I've seen play p- the position in 2016, was, yeah, brilliant, 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 brilliant career, awesome, should have almost got the Sharks of Stanley Cup when their team was worn down to the nubs. But yeah, it's, it's 2023 now, almost 2024, and it's, uh, it's been almost a decade since that Martin Jones. And he's going to be stepping into the net for the Toronto Maple Leafs, along with Ilya Samsonov, who's got an 887 save right now, and who has been visibly rattled, who has not looked like himself, and has been open about that even with the media. In front of a team that is arguably the worst defensively that Sheldon Keefe has ever had. Anyways, uh, I don't know if it's all doom and gloom, but holy crap, to the, blue, uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs. See, I can't even 
think about the Leafs as much because I'm just like Blue Jays, Blue Jays, Blue Jays. It's all, totally on my butt. But yeah, the, the Leafs are in a tough spot. Uh, Matthew Barnaby, former NHL forward and author of Unfiltered, which I have read and it's very good and you can pick it up. I'm sorry that I made you sit there for so long while I ranted and raved. I was like, call him at 9.05. And so you've sat for seven minutes listening to me just yap. I, I don't even know why I agree to do your show. Last time I came on, your producer yeah. pretty well called me old because his grandfather oh, yeah. liked the way I played. <laughs> and and yesterday, yesterday I get yeah. a text from you, JD, and you're like, hey, do you want to come on, talk Leafs? You're watching yep. the game. I said, of yep. course I'm watching the game. They're playing yep. Ottawa. Yeah. By the way, there's no thousand dollar tickets in Ottawa. People aren't paying a hundred dollars. Right, I forgot to a that seat. they were. I forgot that they were in Ottawa. Actually, some people yeah. are paying a thousand dollars a seat. It's called the the Leafs fans that are getting raked over the coals <laughs> by the Sens fans who are trying to pay for yeah. the rest of their tickets. Yeah, the the, the go Leafs go yeah. chance uh, were a must. And then the text I get from you yesterday: Hey, do you want to come on my show? Talk Leafs. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, you just might not be on if Shohei Otani signs somewhere else. So, yeah, you, you make an ex-NHLer feel really good about himself. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah no problem. Awesome. I, you like, you like, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just admit it. Like, you think you, like, compare yourself to Shohei Otani, right? Like, <laughs> we're all nothing compared to Shohei Otani. Like, you and I hey. are the same now. Like, you could be a former NHLer. You could be a millionaire. You know, you could have a, a book. You could have written a book. You got all this, these things going for you. You're traveling everywhere. Last, I'm like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm traveling here. I'm traveling there. Every time I see your Instagram, it's a different post from either a Peloton or a different tropical destination. But in the eyes of Shohei Otani, who might get $600 million today and oh. will transform a country, you're nothing. You're a speck of dust. Hey, I totally agree. He is yeah. the best. At, he is the best baseball player of all time, could go down as the best athlete of oh. all time. I hope, I'm, I'm actually willing it into existence. I'm not the biggest baseball fan in the world, but you get me Shohei. I, I've been to games last year, and I had an absolute ball, and mm-hmm. obviously they're Canada's team, so I, I cheer for it. I'm willing it for you, for all Toronto fans, for all of Canada, into existence. Yeah. Come on. You know what else, home. too? If, if Shohei does sign here, then who cares about the Leafs? <laughs> you know, like who cares? <laughs> Barney, you can go play net. I don't care. Maybe I'll strap the pads back on and do, go for a PTO. Like it's, I, it, I guarantee Sheldon Keith yeah. is praying that he's yeah. signed. Oh there. my God. Yeah. He's like, please take some of the heat off. No one will know that we play hockey games in the city for about a month. And just as we're all uh, completely delirious from the Shohei Otani experience. <laughs> but okay. Let's just start with this, man. As a player, you know, you played in front of Dom Hasek. I don't know if you ever had him with an injury. Like, I feel like he played every single game, for God's sakes. But what what is the feeling in a dressing room when you lose a guy like that, when you lose your goalie, and especially if the guy is behind him is shaky? Yeah, we, we, we lost Dom, and, and Dom to me is the greatest of all time. I've said that many a times. Yeah, I didn't like the guy, so that, that, that says – a lot. People can make an argument for Marty Brodeur or Patrick Wall, whoever yeah, they, they want. Asik. If you have a brain, Dom- you know it's Dominic Asik. Yeah, it, it, it's Dominic Asik. And, and playing in front of him for six to seven years, mm-hmm. um, I saw it firsthand. We, we lost him against Ottawa in the first round of the playoffs in 97. And when he, he went down and Steve Shields came in, we, we really were in shock. We're like, oh my God, what do we do? Because mm-hmm. literally our whole game plan was around Dom stopping 35 to 40 shots, us winning two to one, maybe three to two. If we had, if we scored three goals, it, it was a lock. We were going to win because mm-hmm. Don wasn't giving up four it was 
physically impossible that he would do that. So, you know, you look at Toronto, you look at the game last night um, with him going down, finally getting into a groove in the last little bit. And it takes a little while. Uh, it's tough. You got Marty Jones, you have Samson off that's hurt. Marty Jones that hasn't really been a quality NHL goaltender, um, like you said, since about 2016. Mm -hmm. And I think he can be a capable backup. Can he carry the mail for a month or two? That's yet to be unseen. I I can tell you one thing. If Toronto plays like that, Mm -hmm. most nights defensively, they give three breakaways in the first half of the game. I mean, against a, a really good team, they're probably down three or four nothing before they even get to start that game last night. And we could talk about, you know, five days off, whatever it may be. Good teams find a way to bury bad teams. And Ottawa is not a very good team. They compete hard, but there's no way Ottawa should be competing with the Toronto Maple Leafs if Toronto believes that they are a Stanley Cup contender, which I don't. Yeah, that, that's just the thing. And I know that some people are interpreting this as like, oh, you're already comparing Joe Wall to Dom Hasek? Like, no, 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 classic Toronto media. No, I'm asking you about your personal experience of just like when it is, how taxing it can be when you're already, like, it, it's already such a hard sport. And, and I know the sport is different now, blah, 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 blah. But you've got all these things to focus on. And it has to be pretty nice knowing that the guy back there is reliable. And I feel like Wool, so far this season, the Leafs have looked like a bit of a different team in front of him. And he's just a calming goaltender. And Samsonov yeah. is someone who swims a lot in his crease. He can come up with big saves. He does have a track record with this team of success. But going from someone that you feel like, okay, maybe you do make a mistake and he's all right back there versus someone where you know you can't make a mistake has to be a little exhausting. And and what I would say to Leaf fans is that, okay, Toronto this season, five on five, they've given up more goals than they've scored. Like this is a team that gets less shots five on five than their opponents. And it's by a slight margin, right? Like we're talking about like 49% shot, four percentage, 49% goals, four percentage at five on five. But like they've been a leaky team this year, dude. And so the idea that you're going to have a worse player in net for a team that has got now six regulation wins after beating Ottawa last night for a team that already hasn't looked good five on five, like this is going to put a ton of pressure on the rest of the team. I, I would say right now they it, it won't creep into their mind. They'll be they'll rally behind Martin Jones and whoever is in net. Mm-hmm. The the problem goes to when there is a leaky goal, uh, like you mm-hmm. talked about, and and they do give up chances. They're they're not they're not going to change their identity overnight. They they are going to give up chances. Now I know subconsciously they might play a little bit different, but that's not in their DNA. They're 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 a trade chances team. That's just the way they are. That's the way they're that they're built uh, offensively, especially that 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 top half of that lineup um so you know when i went to new york we had an offensive team we had the likes of Jaromir jager and eric lindros and messier and i can go down the 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 gauntlet of players that we had and we had mike dunham in that or dan blackburn in that and we we traded chances with teams and we might score three in a night but we were giving up four we'd score four we'd give up five we didn't have that guy that locked down goalie and it's such a huge difference just in the way that you know, you can attack a game with the way that you're built. Now, if you're the New Jersey Devils, now you got Marty Brodeur mm-hmm. and you have a defensive system. Now you only have to score two goals to win a game. And it's much easier when you don't have that pressure because goals are going to come and go. The Toronto Maple Leafs are going to go through a month where they score four and five a night. And then they're going to go through a month where they score one, two, maybe three. That's, that's just the reality uh, of scoring goals. Offense comes and goes defense is a staple and they aren't a defensive staple so you need a goaltender to be able to come with those big saves yeah well they it's weird man and they're got seven wins in their last 10 right like this is yeah 
It's a team that has been stacking wins yet. And it's a games in hand situation, but they still, it's weird to look at the standings because they are sitting in fourth. But yeah, at least they've been able to find ways to win these games because there's a, like, there's a true blue doomsday scenario where the Leafs would have had a lot of these coin flips in overtime and the shootouts go against them. And they're just like sitting below the Habs right now with their backup goaltender in that. Uh, like a bunch of AHL defensemen and a forward yeah. group that really hasn't shown any consistency. But like you said, it is sometimes they're going to be able to score goals and sometimes, you know, they're going to go through lulls, but isn't the only path forward here for surviving an injury like this and surviving the injuries that you have on the blue line that the top stars need to play with more consistency. The top stars need to play with more consistency and, and you have, you have to protect your goaltender more. Because Martin Jones, we just you just can't in your mind believe that he's going to have a nine fifteen to nine twenty save percentage over the course of the month. I I don't believe he has that in him anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, your top stars have to be more consistent, but in in the end, you have to protect your goaltender more than they're protecting him now. If if they play defensively, and and it's a tale of two different teams, right? Mm-hmm. Ottawa's waking up this morning playing a great game, and they're clinging to moral victories. There's no moral victories for the Ottawa Senators mm-hmm. anymore. Toronto's sitting there going, okay, we haven't played our best hockey, like Sheldon Keith said, I believe, about three weeks ago, and we are where we are. There's 26 teams below us in the standings. Do I consider them a top eight team in the NHL? No, but they are where they are, and they haven't played their best hockey, and in probably we're going to see a different defensive core as we get closer to the trade deadline, which is a long ways away, yeah. but I'm sure with the LTIR that we have or they have, um, certainly they're going to add to that, 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 that group. But listen, this is best case scenario for the Toronto Maple Leafs is they're sitting where they are with the way that they played. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario is they just lost their starting goaltender who's playing very, very well. Mm-hmm. and they're not playing well defensively. No, that's it. And yeah, uh, to me, that that's the other part of this. Like when you mentioned the LTIR is wool makes no money. Like there's yeah. no, this isn't shifting a player all of a sudden and saying, well, now you've got a bunch more cap space that you can weaponize. They just got some of this relief with the Klingberg injury. Like if, and I don't even like really saying it this way, but it had it been Samsonov, right? And he had even at least been playing well. At least you would look at it and go, all right, that's four plus million dollars off your cap, yeah. right? This is a kid that's making absolutely no money. Like replacing him is going to be difficult. And it's, the Leafs don't have a ton of assets in the tra- uh, to trade. Like they don't have a second round pick this year. They're missing a bunch of picks moving forward. It's already probably hampered their ability to make a deal with Calgary and, and get in on Zadorov and Tanev from a couple of weeks ago. And so like you now have a list of, Man, you could use a center. You could use may, uh, maybe two blue liners, one at least that's in the top four. And if you have to add goaltender to this list, uh, I just I'm concerned about whether or not, yeah, true living, even working magic is going to be able to address all of those issues. But yeah, yeah, let me ask you about the Ottawa side of things because yeah, you're in that market, and we've talked about it a lot. Uh, it's a it's a market I really understand. I feel like the shift in ownership gave people such a boost, right? Just like having new ownership and having the the stability that that was going to bring alone created a lot of buzz and excitement, even if it didn't end up being Ryan Reynolds, right? But last night they lose that game and it's all the Leaf fans in the building. And it's a year where the team's supposed to be taking a step forward. And then like Shabbat is hurt again. And it, it just, there's a lot of familiarity to this Senator season, you know, like Steos is talking about stability and they want to have 
Uh, they don't want to rock the boat, but all of a sudden it's like Jacques Martin is there too. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this is just certain. If I'm a Sens fan, I'm, I'm starting to go, wait, 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 wait. This is very, very same old Senators. It is, and it's not going to change overnight. Listen, I, I think Ann Lauer being the owner here is a breath of fresh air for this city. He's got deep pockets. He's a huge, huge hockey fan um, and, and is willing to spend the money. Listen, he's got very deep pockets, and he's very passionate about bringing a winner to Ottawa. This is a good young team. Uh, the core is very young and very talented, but if you don't have goaltending that can you know, make up for a lot of those young mistakes that they are going to make. And defensive zone coverage has not been great all year long. They're going to get their chances offensively. They're just really talented offensively with that young core on the defensive side and the offensive side. Uh, But if they don't play with more structure in their D zone, and that's the problem with young guys making that step to the NHL, is learning the balance of playing offensively, not cheating and playing well defensively and limiting those uh, chances against. I thought they did a great job last night. But when you when you outplay a team like that and then you give up a squeaky goal, I believe it was the second or the third uh, from behind the net. I think it was Camps that scored it. And, you know, those, those are the ones that kill you. But, yeah, the buzz, the buzz certainly isn't where it was two months ago in the city or even three when they were talking Ryan Reynolds, but especially when Ann Lauer took over. Um, certainly not the same buzz. Uh, and I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, which is going to be another setback for this organization. I think they'll reassess. I think they'll have a new GM uh, before the end of the year, whether it's Steos that takes over or, or they just hire a new one. And then the question is, does DJ last? If they don't make the playoffs, obviously no he's gone. I would wait till the end of the year, let it all play out, and then start wherever you want to go from there. But the future is bright. I know it's hard for Ottawa fans to hear. Uh, very bright with the, the young core that they have and the new ownership, um, it's going to be bright future. I just don't think it's going to be this year. Yeah, I just uh, keep waiting for it to be the year, you know? I got, I think yeah. I've done yeah. two years at least of, well, this is the season where the Sens-Leafs rivalry really gets back on track. And this is, you know, the this is something that got buried. I, I do Leafs talk after every single game, and clearly yeah. we just debated Wool the entire time. Sammy and I, you know, he took the position of, Shell shock, believe in Samsonov. I took the position of I'm full panic mode about a team that's already shown a lot of holes, adding another hole in the boat. Like I just, there's only so you only got so many figures to plug the holes, you know, like it's just, it's, we're the Leafs are using their, their big toe now. Um, but so I'm watching and the game got more intense as it went on, right? Like the second period was really good. The third period was solid, but that first period, dude, it's just, there's no hitting. There's no scrum. There's no life. And this is in a game where I said, I, I've been to a lot of hockey games in a lot of different arenas. It's, it's hard to top Leaf Sens in Ottawa from an atmosphere standpoint, from a, like a buzz in the building feeling yeah. like hockey night in Canada, Saturday night on in Toronto. There's usually a, a, like a good buzz, good boozy crowd. Nothing beats the bell center. Like absolutely nothing even comes close to me as a fan experience. And just like the way that uh, the atmosphere is from like, you can be there on a Tuesday and it's going to be close to what a Saturday is against the Leafs. But yeah, a Saturday night at the bell center, number one, but I'm just watching this game and I'm going, okay, I get it. You guys are all millionaires and the game has changed, but to come out this way and to have this type of effort and the Sens were better, like at least they were pressing and they were playing hard. But man, I, my, my biggest takeaway from the game outside of before the wool injury and before his play is just, I, I'm sorry. If I, like, I'm going to sound like an old guy, 
I hate the direction that hockey is going with some of the style of play. And I've said this year over year over year, but I do not think that this league can compete or continue to be sustainable with fan interest in a way if it's just a skill league alone. And that's the byproduct of when you have the skill league alone is you can get periods like that where you're watching it. And if you're sitting there at the game, it's like, yeah, it's fine, right? Because you're, you're boozed up. You're at the game. You're in the crowd. You're watching that on TV. It, like, if I didn't do that for a living, I would have been looking at my phone the entire time. Like, what, why, why am I watching that on television instead of, you know, rewatching The Sopranos? Like, I, I'm good. Like, that's trash. That's a bad product, what we saw last night for the first period. And, like, they, these kind of... Like, I just wonder if there's ever going to be a tipping point for the NHL where they go, you know what? Oof, like, maybe, maybe John Tortorella's right. Maybe we should see the, the, the board shake once or twice a, a hockey game. J.D., I, I couldn't agree with you more, and it pains me to say that. I would have, if I wasn't doing the show today, I would have turned it off after the first period because it was the Awful. most atrocious, boring first period. Now, it was perfect from the Ottawa Senators' point of view and the way that they played, but you know, you haven't played in five days. You're getting dominated. Hits. I, I, I don't think I can remember one hit in that first period. Not one. Like, I, I think I saw an average one against the boards. And ever, ooh, like, it was, it was nothing. And the problem with a team like Toronto is you have a Ryan Reeves. He's on the fourth line. He's not going to go out. He, he doesn't get enough ice time to make a difference in that game. Right? He doesn't have he, – he can't change the momentum of a game. A guy like Brady Kachuk can – because he plays so many valuable minutes. Having said that, they were they were dominating that game. But I agree with you. That was atrocious. I was flipping back, and I had the other TV on in the back with, with the Steelers, another horrible game. Steelers, Dude, that's what I'm saying. Steelers, I was more interested in what was going on in the Steelers oh, game with Patriots, like, Zappi and Trubisky than that first period of the Leafs game last night. By the way, I took the over, which was a nice no I... sweat. I was in bed early. It was great. The Leafs' sends yeah. were over, and, and they yeah. had already had 31 points at, at half. But yeah. when you're when you're begging to watch the Steelers yeah. and Patriots, yeah. that, 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 that's a tough go. That's yeah. a tough go. Completely agree. And by the way, since we're all bragging about our hits from yesterday, <laughs> I had a same-game parlay that hit because of the final Zeke run, right? And then they didn't complete that quarterback sneak at the very end of the game. They have to punt. And the final Steelers play of the game is a throw to Deontay Johnson that puts him over his yard total. I hit the last two meaningful offensive plays outside of the sneak and a punt put me over the two totals that I needed for that game to hit a plus 540 same game parlay. Incredible win. I've had a million backbreaking losses in sports gambling. We all have. Like Oh yeah. Like it just all, I actually had under one and a half goals in the second period of that Leaf Sens game yesterday and Camp shovels one in with 2 minutes left and I was like that's the worst goal I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know? Not not not, not going to lie. After yeah. the halftime when they when they cleared the 30 and a half points, yeah. I tried a little sexy time which I got oh, yeah. rejected from. Yeah, so yeah. I got Oh buddy, yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's yeah. the gambler's fallacy right there. Oh, <laughs> I won. I'll probably win again. That's how no chance. Yeah, exactly. Rejection. Yeah, it's like, that's why everybody does need to go to Vegas. It's like, if you're a sports gambler, you need to go to Vegas. Don't even bet. Just like walk around and look at the facilities and be like, huh. <laughs> you know, huh. So this is what they do with it. Like, that's All right. They got some nice stuff here, I guess. Uh, and yeah, okay, before you go. 
You want to give me, I know that you're probably beaten down by it, but you want to give me a quick thought on the Jets? Because, yeah, you are a famous New York Jets fan. Oh, man. I had my buddy Sean on the pod in the middle, oh, at the very beginning of the year when you guys lost Rodgers and he talked about it. But now it's just like the Zach Wilson. This is the thing is you didn't just lose Aaron Rodgers this year. It's now you've got the complete dysfunction back with the Jets where they feel completely broken. And even going into next year, the idea that I'm supposed to believe in them with Rodgers and co is like, eh, I don't know. Uh, you, 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 I, I was having such a fun time. I know. I haven't been called old yet today. You are old. And I know, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm distraught. I was at the opener when Rogers was there and he went down with Bill's fans. I was mm. at the game in Buffalo when they lost 33 to six and I don't think they got a first down. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's ugly. Now we're fourth quarterback. Now we're reverting back. Now we're going back to the, mm-hmm. the girlfriend you dumped four times. Now yeah, you're like, no, ah, no. I can't find, yeah. can't find anything better. Hey, hey, Oh yeah. Everybody knows that friend or it's like, Oh, yeah. you guys got back together. Hey, Ooh, we all oh, trashed back her. together again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like... Couldn't, couldn't find anyone yeah. to, to, to take your crap. Yeah. Um, it, it's tough. I'm already now, Hey, this is the latest I've looked into the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's 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 a bonus, and and the worst part is, mm-hmm. we have so many great young players, and I think the best defense in the NFL. You got to remember these guys. Like San Fran's great. There's there's so many great D's in 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 the NFL, but these guys start at their own thirty every time and give up like thirteen points a game. Like it is unbelievable how good this D is. And it, it, it's just getting wasted. It's, it's, it's sad. It, it really is sad. We play Atlanta this week, getting, I think, three and a half points at home. That's, that's to, to it's just, it's, no, we play Houston this week. I apologize, not Atlanta. We lost Who cares? Your season's um, done, yeah. It's just, you it don't is, need to know the we're, we're looking for the draft. Let's draft another quarterback yeah. between second overall and sixth overall and ruin his career. That's what I'm looking forward to. Can I give you one positive Jets fan spin? Um, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. This is it is forever. All Jets fans that had was rooting against the Patriots, right? Like that's it. <laughs> it's like I said, I went to college. I live with a Jets fan. That's all his experience was just rooting against the Jets and hating on or sorry, against the Patriots and hoping that they would have their downfall. It's like last night they beat the Steelers and it was the perfect win where like, I can't stand Steelers fans. They stole a Super Bowl from me. Like they actually stole one. The ref apologized. Um, the Steelers had a low mark in their franchise's history. They like awful, awful, awful game. And yet the Patriots also spoiled their pick. Like they really hurt their draft pick last night, which they were basically clinging to. Every Patriots yeah. fan was hoping for that. And I went, you know, that's nice. It's nice. Misery loves company. And last night was just a perfect, oh, right. These two teams are in the mud right now too. So congrats on that. Congrats on two yeah. conference rivals having a night where all of their fans are really sad waking up this morning. Yeah, well, it even just you saying that just reminds me that we drafted Geno Smith in the second round, and now he's playing great last couple mm. of years and signs a $90 million deal with the Seahawks. You are mm. Seahawks. So, yeah, great. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, no sweat. All right, let's do this again right, soon or this next time. All right, let's go Shohei. Yeah, please. Matthew Barnaby, uh, former NHL forward and, of course, host uh, and author of Unfiltered. <sighs> yeah, back to Shohei. Uh, back to Shohei. No new updates. What? Why did you let sexy time go? What? Did you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, but I don't even understand what you're saying. 
I mean, he did call himself old, and there was the opportunity. I haven't heard, the last time I've heard sexy time on anything, it was my parents. Like, <laughs> period. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he was talking about like a sexy time parlay where he wants to, you know, take a big shot. The late night shot parlay, the dreaming of being rich parlay. Once you've hit and you're thinking like, I'm going to shoot for the stars. And then all of a sudden your mind goes, man, if I hit this, what a night I'm going to have. And you start, that's one of my favorite things that sports gamblers do is tell each other in the group chat, like, man, I was this one win away from having a massive day. <laughs> it's like the amount of, the amount of times sports betters, I would like to see what the, the calculus is on that is I was so close to this massive day that, that count when it comes to sports betting anyway. Okay. To wrap up the wool stuff. You can, the, the best theory that you can present for the Leafs moving forward with Samsonov and with Martin Jones is that Samsonov doesn't feel any pressure behind him like he's going to lose his starting job. And that was very much the case last year when it was him and Matt Murray who basically was just like completely shelved and, and was, not, was not pressing him. And he had wool behind him for stretches and then he, uh, yeah, he, it, was, it was his net. And the guy when he knew it was his time and he knew that he had room to fail, he, ex- he excelled. Some people are like that. Some people can't handle pressure. And with Samsonov, we've got at least a body of work that pressure doesn't make a diamond, pressure cracks him. So maybe, maybe just maybe, he finds his game again and he can get back up to where he needs to be, which is a 915 save. But yesterday on Leafs Talk, you know, McKee and I were debating this, and he goes, Oh, he just needs to have a 905 save. He just needs to have a 905 save. And I was like, That's not true, though. He needs to have the 915 that Wool had because I keep looking back on these games and going, What would the Leafs record today be if they didn't have Joe Wool in net? If they would have removed him from the equation and they would have gone purely to Samsonov and to Martin Jones. And I don't think that they would be above 500. Like, I don't, I do not think that this team, or if they were like, okay, let's put it this way. How many times did good goaltending get them into overtime? How many games in overtime and even in the shoot has Wool stood tall and made a bunch of big saves? Like he's made a shocking amount of big time saves in the three on three periods. It's, it's like every single game they've played, he's made at least one massive one on a two on one. So what would the record be realistically? Okay. Cause like, yeah, they're 13, six and four right now. Right. So they're, I know it's hockey, but realistically they're, they're three games over 500. So the idea that they would be with the loser points, not that I think is, has Wool been worth three wins? Would they be 500 right now? Would they be in the position that the senators are in where it's like, that's what you have. That's where you're at. I think it's at least plausible. I think that there's at least an outcome. And, and here's the thing. You can go through the numbers with the Leafs five on five. And yes, the power play and the special teams are important. And, and hey, actually, big kudos to them because one area where the team has unquestionably improved is the penalty kill. Since the Sweden trip, the penalty kill has improved. Um, have there been some positive stories? Like, do, do their depth guys show a little bit something? I thought Connor Timmins was good last night uh, outside of the penalty that he took. Obviously, Nylander has had a brilliant season, even though he's just had some miserable plays in his own end too, like some bad brain farts recently that are just like little reminders, like last night trying to clear the puck up the middle after he scores a brilliant goal. But yeah, some of those. But have there been positive stories? Sure. But Wool was one of the most, if like after Nylander, he, 
there's a pretty strong case that he's the second most positive story of the Leaf season, biggest development of the Leaf season. And like these are their numbers, five on five. I mentioned it. It's like their shot four percentage, five on five. The opponents are out shooting them. Their goals four percentage, five on five. Their opponents are outscoring them. And again, it's 50 to 52. These are not massive margins. It's not like the Leafs are so fraudulent that you would look at the PDO and say, oh, these dudes are actually complete frauds. They're, no, but they're, they're kind of looking like a middle-of-the-pack hockey team. And we've all seen that. We don't, I don't need to tell you these numbers if you're an actual fan of this team who wa- has watched multiple iterations of them. This is a middle-of-the-pack team. They're not as good defensively. They don't play as, they don't play as responsible. And they, they're not as deep as a group. Their expected goals for percentage, 48.45. Like again, below 50%. Goals for percentage, five on five, below 50%. High danger chance percentage, 48.7%. So again, that's your opponent is getting 52% of the high danger chances against you in a hockey game. Like, do you feel good about those numbers if you're a Leafs fan? Do you feel good about the idea that you're going to move forward with two lesser goalies? Uh, I don't know, man. I just, like, I don't feel great about it. I, I absolutely do not feel great about taking a step back in net when your team is really still trying to find their identity, where they haven't been able to show up consistently, where they have these awful slow starts. Like, how many nights has Joe Wool kept their heads above water over this last little bit where the Leafs have come out flat and not played a good first period? So, yeah, it's not doomsday. The, the Leafs are still uh, going to be a, a solid hockey team. They should absolutely still be in the playoff mix. I don't think that this is going to be like careening off a cliff. But if you're asking me like, hey, what is the, what, what's more likely? The Leafs now get red hot and Samsonov starts to put it together and the team starts to put it together or, you know, a team that is giving up more than they get five on five is going to suddenly turn around and, and start to play more responsibly defensively and stop giving up so many high danger chances and stop putting as much pressure on their goaltender as he's trying to find himself and as he's getting over a sickness. I don't know. It's just it, it, you can see that there is a, that this is going to make things harder. And then the last part of it is what I alluded to with Barney on the cap, which is, yeah, these guys have some relief now. They can bring in a defenseman. But you, if, if, this, if this injury is super long-term, to the point where it's going to extend, say, past the deadline. Okay, like even if Wool is going to come back this year, can you trust? Do you, do you trust the body of work enough that you'll just say, "Hey, he's going to get back from injury and it's going to be fine"? Like remember Freddie Anderson a few years ago with, when he was hurt and they gave Jack Campbell the net, and there was this whole idea of like, "Don't worry, Freddie will get it back and it'll be all right." And then guess what happened? Like he lost the net, he lost the team, he never came back. It's it's hard to play a certainty with Joe Wool right now. So if you go into the trade deadline and you're not going to be able to take a look at them beforehand, months away, maybe it's not that severe. Hopefully it's not that severe. We still don't know, although the silence, I would say, is not encouraging. And the fact that they, we've already, the only news that we have is that he is going to miss some time. Not great. What does that do for you at the deadline with minimal trade assets and multiple holes to fill in a market where like I went over yesterday with Myrtle, there's not going to be an abundance of sellers. So yeah, good times. But here's the positive spin on all of this. Shohei Otani might be a Toronto Blue Jay. Take a quick break, come back, show me something Sunday.
So Shohei Watch continues. Waiting on that nine Pacific time. Well, I'm not saying nine Pacific time anymore, all right? This is the real time zone. Everybody knows that. Pacific time is very cute. Very fun. Everybody gets to go to bed after watching sports. Sports are done by 1030 out there. It's all done. That's it. Go to bed. No sports. Say two. But yeah, this flight, this flight that's going to leave at noon from Anaheim to Toronto, this private jet that has been booked. Is it the, is it the show hate plane? Is it, is it going to be the flight that carries all of our hopes and dreams and lands here in Toronto? And are we going to break out the helicopter chase again for that private flight? Are we doing that? Here's, here's what I would say is the difference between Shohei and Kauai is my understanding is that the privacy concerns are at such a level that it's like you might, they might shoot down the chopper. <laughs> you can't, you can't go anywhere close to wherever this private jet is landing. Also, imagine being the person that's, that, that booked this thing that isn't Shohei. You sick, sick person. Like they just need, ah, oh yeah, I just decided on a whim. I'd like to go to Toronto in December, on December 8th. That's the time, me in Anaheim, I have decided to go. Imagine it was a rich guy that just wanted to play a prank. Like it was a really wealthy Angels fan that's bitter about Shohei leaving. And he was like, these idiots, I'm going to fly all the way there, just throw them off. That would be good. That would be funny. That would be pretty funny. I would have to respect that if somebody did that. I'm going to just, and maybe, hey, did anybody check on whether or not there was a private jet booked to LA from Anaheim? Because I bet you there's so many of those that they, it's like, who even cares? So it's more noteworthy that this one's happening. But yeah, there's probably so many jets that fly privately. I was like, that's too close. I don't know. Yes, send them, eh, maybe. Either way. Someone track the Dodgers movement in all of this. Tell me where all the Dodgers guys are too today. Track everyone. It should be like, do you remember Snapchat for not just nudes? Like when you would go to Snapchat and accidentally hit a button and all of a sudden you would see like a couple of bitmojis and they would be like on a map and you would go, oh, my friend lives in Nova Scotia. That's nice. Good for them. Uh, that's what I need right now is the old Snapchat map with where all, where all the parties involved are at this given time. Please, give me that map. Give me that map, baby. Ah, I can't take this. And I will say this too. I think there's something to be said for the type of person who can step away from this today and just, like, how are any of you working normal jobs? I'm sure there are some people that are streaming this right now pretending to work. Because this, you just want something. You want a morsel. You want an anything. Because you can't just like look at your phone, obviously, right? You can't just stare at your Twitter feed. But you could put a headphone in. Hey, listening to music at a lot of jobs is fine. So why not a sports podcast like this one? One AirPod in. Yeah. Be a little cheeky about it. Who says that you can't <laughs> mop the floor and have the headphone? That's what I picture every janitor has since the tape decks. I assume that there's some guys grinding right now with the phone plugged in, the headset on, wiping the floor. Some kid puked because he was so excited about Shohei Otani. And now you're there mopping it up, putting the sawdust down, listening to this going, please, man, give me a morsel. Give me a piece. Give me a taste. Give me an anything. 
Let me know that Shohei Otani will be a Blue Jay. Get this over with. Feels like I've had four coffees today already. Yeah, it's a lot. Whew. And even I will admit it. All I've, like, I'm just hammering home, home, home. <laughs> That's home. Refresh on Twitter as I'm doing the show. And I've tried, I'm, I'm like, no, man, stay locked in. Don't just be doing that. But how could you not? How could you not? How could you not? This is fun. This is exciting. Again, this could be the biggest crash. Could all just be down in the dumps any minute now. I, here, can I make a little prediction, though? I don't think we get the, I don't think we get the conclusive news that he's signing here until nighttime. Like, I, weird, weirdly enough, if, okay, so I was reading Arden's piece, right? And, like, when he went to Japan in 2017. Again, Arden's welling in studio for the next hour. Uh, so he'll be sitting with me during Shohei Watch. He's finishing up at the gym. He's getting his pump on. He's, like, probably not even aware because he's so in the zone. He's grinding. But one of the things in Shohei's piece is that, like, the privacy stuff is very legit with this dude. He does not like being noticed. Like, he's the only guy on earth that doesn't like being 6'5". <laughs> he's just, he's miserable about it. He hates that he's walking through Japan and people are looking at him. He had a quote in there like, I don't feel my height. It's like, wishes he was shorter. I would happily have taken your height, Shohei. I would have happily been 6'5", especially here where everybody's like, yeah, well, you're obsessed with it. But damn, I think I, maybe I'm just trying to draw the Kawhi parallel too much, but it's like, I, I just feel like he's going to want to news dump it rather than have it be like 24 hour circus during the day. What is it too? So let's say he gets on the flight at noon, then he's getting, he's landing in Toronto close to 5 PM. Right. Yep. yep. So like, they're just playing up the timelines. Like, we have some scenarios where we're going to go breaking news. Maybe somebody gets it. Maybe somebody gets the, the report, and that's the way that it gets broken. But in all likelihood, my guess would be if he lands in Toronto at 5, that's right around when we would get the news. You know, 5 to 6 p.m. For, that's a little friendly tip from me to our bosses out there, all right? The people controlling all the programming at this place. Hey, 5 to 6 p.m., once, once we're in that time frame, that's when we get, or the time frame number two is somebody does find out that he's on that plane on his way to Toronto. Cause there's no way he's coming to Toronto for anything other than signing. Okay. He's not coming here to be like, Hey, I'm really sorry. You guys did a great job. I'm about to get back on this plane. I'm going to do 10 hours today. So if somebody finds out that he's actually on that plane and it's like breaking, you know, I shouldn't even say that. I shouldn't even say, I shouldn't even hate hey, it's It's too tense. It's too tense for me to even do the like, oh, here's a fake report because some person could be tuning in at that time. I don't want to do that to this person. But the way that it breaks earlier is if they know he's on the tarmac. Some flight attendant, some cheeky flight attendant. Who's that handsome guy? Oh my God. That's Shohei Otani's music. And then we see that on Twitter. And then all of a sudden they go, you know what? The, the jig is up. Somebody give it to one of the insiders. Give it to Passon. Give it to Morosi. Let it be known. Shohei Otani is on route. Whew. Please. Please. So anyway, keep your AirPods plugged in. Keep pretending to do work at your desk. It's Friday, Okay. It, it, every, every boss, every company should know 
It, it, it doesn't even count. It doesn't even count. We're, at some point, we're going to move to the four-day work week. There's too much data. There's too much information. We're, we're already there. Like we're, This is how we do it. We chip away. We chip away. We chip away. We keep giving you less and less and less on Fridays until the world just goes, you know what? Fine. Take the Friday, and we'll just have you be a little bit more productive during the other four days of the week. We're going to go with the study. So, yeah, I'm basically advocating no one should be working today. Everybody should just be listening to the show, to the station, watching Sportsnet, refreshing Twitter. This should be that kind of a day, right? Like, why not? Why, why, what is so important at your job today? I'm sure there's some of you doing important stuff, but most of you listen to this, and you're not doing anything important. Come on. You're mildly contributing to society right now. Like, there's a guy, listen, I, my FedEx package is late all the time, okay? I, I always get, oh, your package is arriving today. Turns out it's actually arriving next Wednesday. Like, park, park the truck. Don't refresh the Twitter feed and drive. Park the truck. Just sit on the side of the road. Put that, keep the headphones in or blare the truck and refresh the Twitter feed. The packages will get there. They're, they've been delayed before. Park it. You're at the office job. You're sitting there. You're in the cubicle. That's what those cubicle walls are for. So that other people can't be distracted by you and your Twitter feed and what you're looking at, which is Twitter. X. And the J.D. Bunkers podcast. And you know what? You've got a little extra time on your hands. Use that time. Go bang five stars. Do that. Anyways, quick break. Arden's Welling in studio. All right. I've got the big J. Journo. Arden's Welling here. Used to be. Once upon a time. Actually... Can I don't I say, know what I am now. No, but once I, upon a time, I don't know what you are either. <laughs> yeah, here's what I here's what you definitely are. Tell me about it. <laughs> You're in better shape. Yeah, than I was then. Certainly, no question. Yes. When you were a writer, you were like going for the whole writer thing. I looked like a writer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, You, I, I look like most people yeah. in press boxes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. you were dining to the press box food, and you were not a stranger to the beer after work. I was not. Yes, no, correct. I was not. Yeah, a lot, um, a lot has changed since I was 23. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. So, I did have this thought though. I, I'm serious. I was reading your old Shohei piece, right? right? That's why you're on today. You're still the foremost yeah, sports Yeah, you didn't tell me why I was coming in. Oh, yes. Yeah. You just you texted just, me, well, can you come in? Yeah. So I don't know what I'm here to talk about. Well, can what do you, you want to talk about? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, well, well, you started by coming into the studio yeah. and you said, I'm not doing this to me when I told you that I read a Twitter rumor just now that said, uh, this is from Clarence Source. Uh, again, it's I just know. But he says that Yusei Kikuchi reserves entire upscale sushi restaurant near Rogers Center for tonight. Reservation made for 50 plus people. Make of that what you will. Um, now, this guy claims to be an opera singer. So... Like, I feel like it he's a public be. opera singer. Yeah, that must be Well, I be just it. mean, like, would you want to put that out there if it wasn't true and then be the idiot opera singer that got this thing wrong? There's a lot of people putting mm-hmm. a lot of things out there. Like, there's such an information vacuum around yeah. this that it has created an environment for grifters and bad actors and people who are chasing clout and status to very much suggest that they <sighs> have insight that they don't and try to gain some sort of uh, currency on social media. So, yeah, I do think that somebody would want to put something like that out there, even if it is just, if there's nothing behind it. But do you believe in the flight path? Um, I mean, there's private planes that fly all over Booked the country at today? all times. For- 
Book today. Yeah, it could be anyone. Last man. minute. Like, could be anyone getting the PJ. That's why I said it could be somebody just playing a prank, which would be hilarious if it was a rich guy playing a prank. Uh, yeah. I, but I'm not an expert on flight paths. I'm not an mm. expert on private planes. I don't know how that world works. What are you an expert on? Little? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm kind of like a master of yeah. none, you yeah. know? Uh, I know a little bit about everything, and there's nothing yeah. worse than somebody with a little bit of knowledge. I know. I'm that guy, too. Right? Yeah. Like, Somebody with a little bit of knowledge yeah. who can just go in somewhere and like spew something to someone oh. who actually knows. No, something. that's embarrassing. I've been right? there before many times because mm-hmm. I like a lot of podcasts, right? Yeah. And I like to keep the interest diverse. Like I never listen to sports spots, period. Yeah. Me it's too. none. Yeah. None ever register unless it's something where I actually will listen to yours and Ben's when you guys have stuff because I'm like, okay, this is revelatory, right? Yeah. Like, 32 Thoughts has something where it's like, hey, this is news breaking. This is providing me insight for the show. I, like, I need to have it. I like to tune in sometimes to other pods if uh, something's happening live, right? Because I'm like, oh, okay, let me see what, you know, Bourne and Kipper are doing on this. But for the most part, I'm very much like, uh, let me listen to some architectural design podcasts that I am going to forget all the information from. Let me listen to history <laughs> podcasts, right? Like, let me listen to a TED Talk. On like two times speed as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, all the yeah. time. All so the you time. retain all the time. none of it? Yeah. None of it. I'm <laughs> lying to myself every single time. But then you get the odd time where I've had three drinks and I'm at a party and yeah. I meet some architect and I'm like, well, you know, the Sydney Opera House. And they're like, oh, yeah, what about it? I'm like, it was delayed. <laughs> they're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's like post-Gothic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I never go that far. But yeah. even still, like, that is the most humbling moment of when you think you learn something is when you start talking about it for five seconds and then they start piling in the real information and you go, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. This is like when my friends are five beers at, deep mm-hmm. at the bar and they start giving me their Blue Jays take <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is what I grew up on, huh? You <laughs> telling me these things? But in a way, that's my job is yeah, kind of yeah. learning things. Like sure. I have that humbling experience every time I talk to somebody who works in an MLB front office or mm-hmm. somebody who works in an analytics department or works in sports science where I say, hey, what about this thing? And then they break it down for me 10 ways from Sunday. And I go, oh, wow. Like I thought I knew something about this. I actually know very little about this, I need to learn more about it. Mm, okay, so um, it's that- like when Dana White always like kind of bullies the media. Why are you asking me about this? What's your opinion on this? Like when he kind of like turns it around on them. Yeah, they just need to say this is our job to ask you questions. Like yeah. you have the information. We are trying to learn the information. He'll do that thing where he'll go like, "What you think you know more about this than me?" It's like no, no that's I don't hear. That's what I'm here to ask you because you know more about it than I do. Yeah, but he's jacked and he sits up high. <laughs> <laughs> this big huge yeah, like, water yeah. bottle. That's, it's, pink. that's, that's yeah. a tough position to be in. You're down there sitting low with your glasses and your writer body, and it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not easy to do. Okay, so no, the reason why I wanted you to come in here today is because buddy, you know. I'm glad you remembered. You're the only person who actually remembers I'd spent time with the guy. Buddy is steel trap. Yeah. I'm glad. If there's one thing about me. That you got to know. I remember. I will remember. <laughs> 2017. Yep. Arden Zwelling goes to Japan. Correct. To see the next Babe Ruth. A guy that had not been in the major leagues yet. Uh, a guy that we had heard a little bit of buzz about. But that you actually got to go. Do you remember? I remember seeing like a like a Japanese tabloid or a newspaper or something. Where I was on the like cover, cover. Newspapers. Yeah. Because like he <laughs> yeah, has. That's, that's, there's paparazzi uh, that follows him everywhere yeah, in yeah. Japan. Even at that point. Yeah. Right. There's like there's dozens yeah. of media members. Yeah. I was scrummed. 
by like 15 to 20 media members mm -hmm. um, at their facility. And then the next day I was on the cover of multiple Japanese tablets. Yeah. I can send you the pictures. Like I still yeah, have no. them. I just sent them to Ben the other day because we were talking about it on the podcast. You should actually tweet that out immediately. <sighs> I'm not, like I said, I'm not chasing the clout in this, man. Oh I'm not trying God. to be that guy. It's so elevated. You're I'm, such an elevated person. I'm All the rest of us are just out here tracking the flight paths <laughs> and, and reading into the Yusei Kikuchi renting out restaurant rumors, but not you. I am not suggesting that. Yeah, um, no, not you. That I'm better than anybody, hmm. but I am. I'm, I think there's a slight insinuation. Um, I am the, in one of the many ways I am alike, Shohei Otani. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, our fastball yeah. and our good looks and our athleticism. Yeah. Uh, I am uncomfortable with that level of attention and I don't really seek uh, you know any kind of fame or any kind of like mm. whatever clout people think they're getting off of this I just want to be in the shadows I'm not playing the status so basically game, you man. don't even like, care if people download your podcast after people after Shohei Otani potentially signs here. I have no idea how many people download our podcast mm. I have no clue I look every day <laughs> I believe that <laughs> yeah. you're probably looking like, I, hey do I look Arvin do I look every day yesterday yeah, yeah do I look day. at yeah do I look at yesterday yeah of course because the numbers are up so thank you to everybody the Shohei content is making a pop. I will say for the amount of listeners I get every day, not enough reviews, you know, could be more reviews out there. I can do pretty simple math. Just saying to the people out there, I want the clout. Yeah. Give I me the clout. That. Yeah, yeah. You want it. Yeah. Just give Boy, me the... So what do you have? Like what kind of like loose, totally baseless speculation do you have? Like on show? Yeah. What type of, you know, what flight have you tracked? What reservation mm -hmm. do you know? Like how can you insert yourself into this? Here's, here's my thought. How am I inserting? Oh, you want me to lie? You need to. Well, that's what everybody out there is no, doing. No, I, I don't feel comfortable lying. I'm not like that. I'm not that kind of a cloud chaser. I just mean that like I would love to. Here's where I, what I would. You're like, going to break the story? I would love to be the one on air <laughs> when it happens. And right. I don't think I will be. My, here was my blind speculation. Actually, I just did it. Yeah. Is if this flight is real. So tell me, catch me up on the flight. The flight I have no idea. The, the flight apparently is leaving at noon today from Anaheim to Toronto. But don't, wouldn't there be flights that go from California to Toronto all but the time? But not private. So this is a private flight that was booked late last night. Right. Yeah. Why would he book it late last night? Who knows? Like, well, late our time. Yeah. Because he's making his decision today. He's take, going to the 11th hour. Hold on. Let me this just play it out. This is the thing, though. Let me right? play it out. He decides last night, you know what? It's Toronto. Get it done. Let's get there. Let's announce the decision. They book the flight and they decide... He likes, in your article, you said, what, what's the number one thing we learned about Shohei Otani in Japan? Uh, I learned that he is motivated and incentivized very differently than yeah. people would expect an athlete of his stature to be. Do you know what I learned? <laughs> he loves to sleep. He does. <laughs> he yeah. loves to sleep. He does. So he's not getting on a 6 a.m. flight to Toronto and doing this during the day. He's doing this on his time. He's going to take a noon flight because that actually lines up with the Arden's Welling theory of this guy. Well, not theory, the reporting, yeah. the diligent reporting that this guy likes to sleep. So he's going to get on the noon flight. He's going to fly to Toronto. He doesn't want attention. When is the best time to not get attention? The media Friday news dump. He gets to Toronto. He decides that they're going to announce it. And then people are spinning their wheels trying to make Shohei Otani content, but all through the weekend and not Monday where he has to be here and do a presser and have the stuff. It's like he'll arrive quietly, news dump it, and then be a Toronto Blue Jay come 6 p.m. tonight. Like, A, I don't think he's that 
cunning and conniving about it. B, uh, there's going to be an insane amount of attention globally, not just yep. in Toronto, globally. That's why. Cut whenever, it down even a percentage. Cut it like, down even a percentage. I mean, it's not going to matter if you do it on a Friday, if you do it on a Sunday, if you do it on Christmas Day. I know, but that, the lie that we have told him it's, in the sales pitch of like, don't worry, we're Friday news. Like, he didn't come up with this. This isn't his cunning. This is what the people are for. This is what the others are for. This is a telecommunications company that owns a ton of media going, hey, Friday, if you want the most privacy, this is the time to do it. My honestly limited understanding of him from when I was around him mm-hmm. however many years ago is that he would operate honestly much more on a whim than on any kind of kind of like much more on a gut feel and just when he wants to do it and when it works for him. Like this is what this is the thing, right? Like there's so little credible actual evidence in this. Yep. All that we actually know for a fact is that he met with the Blue Jays in Dunedin. Yep. He met with the Giants at Oracle and he met with the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. That's, those are the only facts that we know. So because there is so little credible actual evidence and mm-hmm. you know so little about his actual motivations and his actual like incentives and drive because he said nothing and mm-hmm. because his circle is so small and people around him haven't said anything, you can spin all kinds of fan fiction. Like you can create all kinds of narratives and it's all plausible, right? Mm-hmm. This is why he wants to come on Friday because they want to decrease the attention and this is the flight and it hasn't flown that route. Like, But it's all, there's no evidence. There's yeah. nothing behind it. Any of that. But that's and I'm what's not trying fun. to say it's not fun. Yeah. It's fun for people to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's what's fun. But I'm not buying any of it. Okay, so you're out on everything. I'm just not. It's it's honestly what do you like believe? tiresome for me to follow oh, that stuff, okay. man. Like, so what are you doing? What are you doing I, with I, your Shohei time right now? I, I don't have Shohei time. Like, yeah. what, what is <laughs> Shohei time is what I call me staring at my computer yeah. nonstop and what then I'm reading not articles doing, like yours. What I'm not doing is like giving Elon Musk free labor all day and spending all day oh. on his app. Like that's oh what I'm not God. doing. All right. Yeah, right. no, you're not the elevated type. You're not so elevated. Like, so. Like, I, I am, again, not yeah. suggesting that. That is just not my preference. Yeah. I find the user experience of social media uh, unfun. Okay. So let's dive into your piece. Right, so you traveled to Japan, 2017. Yep. The piece, I'm sure, comes up because you're like, "Hey, Sportsnet, you've have you heard of this guy? I should go over there." You are at the time compared to you were once was someone once called you a young Stephen Brunt, Scott Moore, <laughs> the young Stephen Brunt at a dinner once with uh, all the young up and comers at Sportsnet. He said, "Do you know Arden Swelling? He is the next Stephen Brunt." I went, "Wow." <laughs> I got to know this guy. That was a yeah. poor prediction. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. <funny>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you go over there and like he, he's living a pretty modest life, right? Yeah. He was living in the dorms. Yeah. Like he's in his uh, early twenties and he's living at the dorms at their training facility. So like along with the 17 year old kid that just got out of high school, mm-hmm. he didn't have a car. I don't think he had a driver's license at the time. Mm-hmm. Like he had to get permission to go out. <laughs> Not that he ever would. Like he was, he wasn't a guy who was ever like out at the, uh, you know, hostess bars or whatever, like whatever, you know, Japanese baseball players do there. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a multimillionaire at the time who just wanted to like train and eat and watch movies and play video games and sleep. By the way, this is also leading to my Toronto Blue Jays theory is he gets to play for a team where there's condo buildings essentially attached to the... The facility in which he Imagine plays. Imagine if he lived in the hotel. Well, that's why I was joking about that earlier. I was like, why not? Just be the f- most famous resident. Be Hunter S. Thompson, live in the hotel. Right. Like, just do that move. I'm, in, I'm into it. But yeah, I actually... Okay, but I, I actually... Okay, looking back at this thing, this is to me when you said, hey, what information do we have? Like, part of the speculation, I think, is informed by people that would try and pitch him in this way, right? Which is... The Toronto Blue Jays are going to have better facilities. It's going to have a bigger clubhouse next year. They've got this Dunedin, like uh, this complex in Dunedin, which I had never, you'd obviously seen it many times having gone down there. 
but I hadn't seen it until the video tour. And I looked at that video tour thing, the little drone footage, and I yeah. went, oh my God, of course a guy like Shohei Otani would want this thing. But yeah, proximity to the stadium, I actually think would be of interest to this player. Like, I, like, could you not see him wanting to at least have uh, an apartment next to the Rogers Center where he can just kind of get to and fro and end up being, like, he likes to sleep in, he likes to get there, and he likes to put in the work. Why wouldn't he want to do something like that? He has a lot of work to do. Like, yeah. Because he's trying to do two things at an extremely high level, and next mm-hmm. year he's going to be trying to rehab from Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Um, well, I shouldn't say Tommy John surgery, from an elbow procedure. We don't actually know what the procedure was. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things you can do to repair, like, a torn UCL. So all we know is that he had a major procedure. We don't actually know what it was. So that's another thing from your piece is like, this guy's had injuries all the way going back to high school, right? Like he made mechanical tweaks when he was a teenager. Yep. His arm took a beating. Even when you were there, he was dealing with an ankle injury? Um, I mean, he, yeah, he's had bumps and bruises throughout. I don't his remember career. exactly what he was dealing with yeah. at that time. But yeah, I mean, they, you know, there aren't like pitch limits aren't necessarily a thing in Japanese high schools. <laughs> <laughs> right, like sure. you hear, like you say, Kikuchi will tell you stories about throwing like 300 pitch bullpens mm. in Japan, you know, like and about like just throwing his arm off. So, but does that track record? Because okay, let's say let's play this out as though he is going to be a Toronto Blue Jay. Okay. You're going to give him 600 million dollars, 500 million dollars, somewhere in that price range, right? So, like at the very minimum, you're going to be paying him like 50 million dollars a year, right? And it's pretty clear that from a baseball standpoint, $50 million a year for a DH doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, even if you're the greatest hitter in baseball, which I'm not sure he even can be. I think he can be like a top five hitter. That's kind of what he is. He's like a really good hitter, good on base, good power, all this stuff. But he's not like, yeah, he's not going to be Aaron Judge. He's maybe not even going to be Juan Soto next year. Like there's a case that he ends up being the best Jays hitter, but maybe not even if Vladdy bounces back and shows the 2021 form. Could play the outfield in that scenario. Right? So you so, think that's realistic though with the elbow, like or with the injury? That ups the value. Like he could play, for sure. you know, depending on how he recovers from this or like he could play first base. Yeah. I mean, he is really athletic and he's really fast. He moves really well. He could certainly play a corner outfield spot at this point. I wonder if he could play center. He's really fast and athletic. And yeah, yeah. I, I so just, it's it's tough to imagine that though, given if like, we're going down the road know. of he's not going to pitch again and yeah. he's only going to be a position player. Yeah. Like he's kind of the left-handed Mookie Betts in a way, right? Like mm. right fielder, twenty-eight. Like you know, obviously all the intangible, like all the offensive contribution that you outlined, mm-hmm. Mookie Betts is like a four hundred million dollar player. Right. Okay. So that that gets you kind of there. But if he's a DH, from a baseball standpoint, it's a little bit tougher, especially considering like they still want to take George Springer out of some of these games. They still want Vladdy to have DH days. They still want to be able to move around some of their players and give them that spot. Like it, it does make a baseball team tougher when a guy's DH. But like to get to it is like if you're giving them fifty million dollars a year minimum. 50, 55, 60, whatever the hell this ends up being. Do you believe that given the track record with the injuries and what this thing could be and all of those different forms of rehab that he ends up pitching effectively again? There's a lot of risk in this deal. And that's something that like the Blue Jays and Rogers have had to consider. Like that's something that, you know, they have discussed and they've still made the offer that they've made, which we all believe is in excess of $500 million, could be $600 million, you know, unprecedented value on a contract for an athlete in North American professional sports history. Um, something we don't say enough is that like this is going to set a new high watermark for an athlete in North America. It's a ridiculous thing to suggest that the Toronto Blue Jays, the team that could be on the other end of that, um, there is risk here. He might not pitch again like double tommy john rehabilitation we don't even know if it was another double another tommy john but like double major elbow recoveries 
it's spotty. The track record's there. And you certainly bet on Otani's work ethic and his diligence. Like, if there's ever a guy who's going to check every single box, it's this guy. He did it the last time. And the Blue Jays have a decent track record themselves recently. Hunjin Ryu, a guy who, at 36, second Tommy John in his career, they helped him get back to a point where he performed better, like, this year, coming off his second Tommy John than anybody with reasonable expectations thought he was going to perform. So, you know, Chad Green, another guy who they've recently helped get over his second Tommy John. But it's not like we have like a ton of research saying here's what to expect coming off of two major elbow procedures because you can't do like a randomized controlled trial on this. You can't recruit 30 subjects and snip their UCLs, have them recover, and then snip them again, right? They so, should have done that for him, actually. That should have been part of the pitch is like, <laughs> listen, there's going to be people. We can get those people. Yeah, we, we, get- we ran a completely unethical research study on yeah. this uh, <laughs> we got in, it. in the darkness over the last two years in our labs in Dunedin. So like it's all based on case studies and based right. on the individual. Like you're you're taking a risk, absolutely. But if ever there was a player to take a risk for, this is a guy. Yeah. Right? Like you take that risk. You, you understand that. Yeah, of course. And if you're this company, it's obvious you take the risk because from a business standpoint, it's a slam dunk no-brainer. Even if he's like, only a position player. That's it. It's still of worth course. it. Of yeah. course. It's so worth it from a business standpoint. It's just like, yeah, the baseball stuff is, I think, a little bit more of a question. Like, we're very excited. We're very ramped up for this guy. I want him to be here. Clearly, he makes the Blue Jays better. But yeah, I think that the, the next questions when he does sign after the, like the initial period of excitement are going to be... Is he going to pitch again? Yep. Like, how effective is he going to be as a pitcher? Because, like, he's, okay, with all due respect to Hunjin Ryu, pretty different arsenals, right? Like, in your piece that, you know, you're writing about this guy, and he's, like, constantly obsessed with his velocity. That's, like, yep. one of the quotes that you have in the thing is him just, like, I'm trying to run it up. I'm yeah. trying to get the fastball going up here. I'm trying to throw harder, 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 harder. I don't imagine that that's gone away from an ultimate competitor type. Like, I don't think that... I'm sure he wants to adjust. I'm sure he's willing to make differences, but... Ultimately, I do think that this guy wants to run fast, hit hard, and throw hard. He's extremely invested in his own self-improvement. Yeah. And that is like something that he thinks about all the time. And I'm sure that is part of the sales pitch that the Blue Jays made to him was like, here's how we can help you rehab. Here's how we can help you potentially come back stronger than you were before. Here's how we can help you continue to get better and set records and just like be like achieve the mastery that you are seeking. Now, the Blue Jays can make that pitch. The Dodgers can also make that pitch. Like, the Dodgers don't have the same facilities that the Blue Jays do, but the Dodgers exist in California. They share a facility. It's disgusting. They exist in California where some of the, like, most Mm -hmm. renowned rehab specialists and sports science folks, like, operate out of there, like surgeons, you know, PTs. Like, you have resources there. You can outsource this stuff to them. Bro, you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. If he's got a guy out there that you love, move his whole family here to Toronto, mafia style. (laughs) Pay for it. Like, pay. Just pick up the UCLA campus and bring uh, uh, it to Toronto. Why not? Move (laughs) mountains. Get this thing done. By the way, according to Leafs Truth on Twitter. Yeah. Go ahead, man. It's your show. I just want to make him mad. I like how you're giving me your time when I'm in a smart conversation. He says, according to annual flight records, this is according to him, uh, there are fewer than a dozen private flights direct from Anaheim to Toronto a year. Okay. So anyway, just just food for Uh thought. Just food for thought from the random internet person with no name or face <laughs> to his uh, account. But thank you for listening, and thank you for sharing that. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, you're you're around him. You're in Japan. You're fall- How long did you follow him for? Because it was a long piece. It's a really good piece. I would actually recommend, like, no matter what, if you're interested in Shohei Otani, you should still go read it. It's like it's still up. It's there. It's it, it's lengthy. It's it's got a it's got a lot to it. No, I, I looked at it recently because I looked at it in a while. It actually holds up pretty well. Yeah. So like that's I was, what I was thinking. I was like, damn, this is sweet. I, to the point where I was like, does he still have that hole in his swing? <laughs> I was happy that you know rereading it that it held up as well as it did because sometimes you do these pieces, you know, and. A lot changes yeah. and things go not the way you expect them to. So, like, I felt some uh, satisfaction with that. But, yeah, I was there for uh, three days with him. Yeah. And three so days. you're – what was your biggest impression of him? So, first of all is, like, the physical impression. Like, yeah. I had met him before. But the dude's, like, he's a hoss. He's a beast. You know? Yeah. Like, he's a QB. Like, he's yeah, QB You see one. that when he's running the base paths and yeah. he's just, like, huge and he's passing other baseball players and just, like, the force and the size. And you're like, holy crap. It's not your average guy. Substantial human. Um, yeah. So that's the physical. And then just in terms of, like, who he is as a person, honestly, it, and this has stuck with me, he's incentivized differently. Like, he's motivated yeah. differently. He has, at numerous points in his career, when everybody was expecting him to zig, he has zagged. Mm-hmm. That happened when he came out of high school in Japan and he announced to the world that he was going to, like, this is when he was still talking to the press, and he said, mm-hmm. I'm going to MLB right away. The Dodgers right now are recruiting him for a third time. Mm-hmm. They tried to recruit him out of high school. They did it, like, out of NPB, and they're doing it again. So, like, the Dodgers have actually swung and missed twice already on this. Strike three, baby. <laughs> out of high school, everyone thought he was going to the Dodgers. He also took meetings with the Red Sox and with the Rangers. Um, he told Japanese teams not to draft him in the draft because he was going to MLB. He's like, don't mm-hmm. waste your pick on me. The Nippon Ham fighters took him first overall anyway and actually convinced him and persuaded him to stay. And this was like headline news in Japan. This is massive. Nobody expected him to stay. They made a really convincing pitch to him. And then once he stayed, it was the obvious decision was to stay until you're 25 because, and without getting into the minutiae of it, but there's like a ton of international spending restrictions mm-hmm. at the time. So, but those are lifted when you turn 25. So if he had stayed until tw- in Japan until he was 25 and then been posted then, he could have made his hundreds of millions then. So everyone assumed he'd stay there until he was 25 as he was like winning MVPs over there and dominating NPB. Lo and behold, at 23, he was just like, eh, I kind of feel like going over to MLB. Two years shy of being able to cash in on the payday that he's going to get now. He was like, screw that. I'm I'm not motivated by money. I'm going over. And he came in and signed like a $2 million bonus because that's all the angels could give him because mm. they were like strict caps on what you could spend on an international player under 25. So those are two times like in his career where everyone has expected him to do one thing and he has done the other. So I think that just like you can't ascribe typical athlete motivations um, to Shohei Otani because he's different. He doesn't, he's not going to behave like Aaron Judge does, like Patrick Mahomes does. Like he is incentivized differently and that is something that i know is is still true like this isn't just me you know speaking having like spent time with him in 2017 like that mm-hmm. is something that has been consistent throughout his career in the u.s yeah but that's the the strongest case for him landing in toronto is that yes. it, well no think about it it's like if this is a conventional free agent the jays are not landing this person unless they're offering a, a, just a massive difference in money right like that's the only way because that's what a lot yeah. of North American and like traditional athletes have been accustomed to is like you want to set the record for the money. You want to be able to win, but that's ultimately like kind of the secondary piece. That's what's so interesting and fascinating about following his free agency and was reading, you know, your piece on him is like, I, I, like I know I'm kind of joking around about like living at the hotel or whatever, but yeah. no, I was thinking about this on the train this morning where I'm like, if I'm him and I want to be comfortable, I like the idea that there's not a drive that I have to make through traffic in order to make this work. Like that I can have a house outside of the city 
And then I can have one that, like, I can have a condo right next to the facilities that's going to be world-class and be able to get right to the Rogers Center without any kind of, yeah, thought. Just you're there. I am thinking about those, that Dunedin facility. I'm thinking about the new, the gym and the size of the clubhouse and the performance department that's here and the way that I'm communicating with this front office versus LA's. Like, I am thinking about the privacy controls that could end up happening, the way that we're going to be able to control media and what the PR department ends up looking like. Like, that that kind of stuff is all going to be a part of the Shohei thought, which is I don't think, like, that was Aaron Judge's thing. I think Aaron Judge's thing was, like, I want to be a Yankee and famous, pay me the most money, mm-hmm. and we're good here. Right? Yep. Like, there wasn't much more to it. This one is fascinating. It's a million different things. With Garrett Cole, I mean, the Blue Jays wanted to be involved yeah. with him. They didn't get a seat at the table. He didn't yeah. want to come to Toronto. That's right? it. They could have gone in and they blown went, the Yankees yeah. Yeah, offer out of the water. The Blue Jays had money at the time. Like, yep. I, Scott Boris wasn't giving him a seat at the table. Wasn't mm-hmm. letting them make bids. So this is the, the thing, though, too, is like looking back at those pitches, right? That's what I'm trying to learn from is, okay, what happened with the other pitches that didn't work? And what happened with the one that did? And the Nippon pitch, yep. that's one that the Blue Jays can't offer, right? Because their pitch is like, hey, we want to develop you properly and make sure that you're ready. And then also I love it because they use fear, right? They're yeah. like, they have a video and they're like, it, it'll be so scary over there. He's like, oh my God, I'm terrified. They used <laughs> examples of other Japanese players yeah. who've gone over and had a hard time with the culture shock. Yeah. Like they kind of painted a picture of what life would be like for him in the minor leagues. Yeah. And, and they obviously painted a rather, uh, you know, pessimistic <laughs> picture of that. But like mm-hmm. you said, yeah, they, you know, they used, they made a compelling pitch. But okay, so with the Blue Jays pitch, like this was, the, if they're trying to learn from this, right? Like yeah. if they did any due diligence, they probably would have gone back and tried to speak to people who know him and like learn about the things that would incentivize him in this way, right? Like you would think if you're investing $500 million to $600 million in someone that your research is going to be pretty extensive as far as it can be without feeling like you're overstepping and the guy feels like you're being a PI on him, right? To speak to that, like when I wrote yeah. this... Um, and when Otani was initially being posted to come over, like I heard yeah. from multiple GMs reached yeah. out to me of course, who were recruiting him at that time yeah. to ask me like what I had learned from being around him, which is incredible and, like, to ask me questions about details of like what his life was like and what was going on and things I had noticed. You're like, this is the oatmeal he likes to eat. Make sure you have it on the stock at the facility. <laughs> but that just reinforces your point. That, yeah. Like the, the level of due diligence that's done on this is extensive. Right. So what do you think that the Jays would have learned most from the pitch to him? Because we know that, again, the Dunedin facility is going to be important. Like, the sports science departments are going to be important. Like, his self-improvement element is obviously very, very much like a key foundational element of who he is. So presenting him with the best possible pitch of that is going to be crucial. But you said it. Like, yeah. the, the Dodgers are going to be, have that too. Like, sure. LA is going to be able to have those resources. They're going to be able to have facilities hell i wouldn't even be surprised if they're like what do you, what else do you want us to build here for you like yeah. do you want us to change something <laughs> to make sure that this is better so what what stuff do you think actually could end up being the tipping points for toronto in this conversation i don't know yeah. like that's the that's the honest no, but you have it, at least an educated opinion of like the things that move the needle for this guy so yeah. it's like what are the other things that are going to move the needle for him it can be things that you might think are kind of dumb like a dome on the stadium. No, I honestly. think that that's a, that's a good one. Like, honestly, like it might just seem kind of, you know, I don't know, humdrum, but like the fact that the Blue Jays have a dome, I think is an advantage for them. Like domes much more common in Japan. Like that's, he grew up playing in domes. It's much more control over his environment. And that's something that's important to him for somebody who is like meticulous and detail oriented mm-hmm. as he is. So that's big. The facilities are huge, right? Like it, 
you know, having all that stuff in house is, is big. Like him, you know, being in Florida for six weeks of spring training, he might even get there earlier than that if he does sign because he's going to be rehabbing. Um, like him just having all of that in one place, that um, accessibility, like that ease, that comfort, like that's, that would be big rather than like, you know, being with the Dodgers and having to go to the UCL, UCLA campus to see the specialist or whatever. Like that's small. Um, yeah, things like that. Privacy is big for him. Yeah, right? that's, that's, that's my next one. Privacy is huge. Yeah. Like he, he does not enjoy the level of intention, attention that he gets in Japan. Yeah, you, like, it says right there. He's like, he doesn't like being six foot five. No, yeah, he does. Which is crazy for guys like you and I, where we're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, more so you than me. Yeah. But uh, oh, I don't, I don't know. Let's go back to back during the break. Let's see. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, he, he, in Japan, like he can't go out. Like he yeah. can't walk down the street. Right? There's like dozens of media that just follow yeah. him. Their beat isn't like MLB baseball. It isn't the LA Angels. It's Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. It's not the hit Nippon Ham Fighters. Their beat is Otani. What's Otani doing today? Like that's why they're interviewing people like me. That's why I'm ending up on newspapers because this is the off season, and it's like this is what he did today. So he doesn't enjoy that level of attention. I don't know what you can do to kind of minimize that. There is going to be a if he does whoever he signs with. There's going to be a lot of control over how much press he does. You're not going to hear from him often. Um, when he has injuries or he's out of the lineup, the information on that is going to be pretty scarce. Um, any injury he has, you know, it's not just the Blue Jays are going to give him an, an, an MRI. Like he's going to be seeking outside opinions mm-hmm. as well. Like his agency is going to be heavily involved in this. He might be away from the team for a couple of days and we never find out why. Like the the control of information is going to be strict wherever he goes. So you can certainly like promise him that and give him those media guarantees and some of that information guarantee but i don't know what you can do to stop people from coming up to him on the streets of toronto no so but this is actually so i was thinking about this because he wants the privacy right yes but it's very clear that he's still going to want to be endorsements and if he does come here by the way carlos bayarga is saying that a source i have confirms that the blue jays could be close to 600 million with Shohei Otani signed with the Blue Jays today. And let's take, again, take it for what it's worth. I think Bayarga was wrong last year on Freddie Freeman to the Blue Jays. The Freeman interest was real yeah. and the recruitment was, yeah. was real, but yeah, yeah he was But wasn't. he missed on the actual signing. Yeah. So it's like, for what it's worth, but this is someone who has had some hits as well and who has been connected with the Blue Jays. So we're, take it with a grain of salt. Um, we need like a scoreboard on these things, eh? Like, you know? Yeah. Like a, we need batting averages. I was going to say, there's, there's one or two guys in particular yeah. this this offseason that have had some like... What's your swing and miss rate, you know? Like, what's yeah. your swing and strike rate? Yeah, I know. That's, yeah. that's why I was really cautioning. But you know what's actually... I don't want to get sidetracked into by yeah. this, but one of the things that's going to infuriate me, the, the only part of the Shohei signing that's going to drive me nuts is the people that just like had nothing to lose and took the swings at being like, he's going to sign here. Right. Right. Like my inside sources are telling me that he wants to be a blue Jay and they're going to be like, I told you all along and that's going to blow up and I'm going to be like, (laughs) anyway, uh, back to the privacy thing. Yeah. I do think from, and I've, I've spent time out in LA and I'm not an LA native by any stretch. I've been a tourist. I've been a visitor. And so like the, the experiences that I've had there are very much through the lens of a tourist. But I do think like if you're in LA TMZ is going to follow you around. Like if you're Shohei Otani, someone on a scooter is going to be showing up at the restaurant that you try to go to and trying to get a clip. Hey, Shohei, oh, Shohei. Especially after he becomes the Dodgers' most prolific signing, right? Like there is far more that they cannot control in terms of a appetite from a bunch of different news sources that are going to want a piece of Shohei Otani and are going to want, like, I know we joke about the dog name thing, yeah. but if he signs in LA, I actually think that one of the interesting ways that they would sell him in the Hollywood market is 
and we got the scoop on what his dog's name is. You know, like here, I, I don't think that's going to be a thing. You're not going to be digging into that kind of stuff. We're not going to have Sportsnet reporters outside of restaurants. And there really isn't that, there's, there's not that media climate here anyways. Like, but that's counterbalanced to me by if he's here, it's, it's like 24-hour coverage on Sportsnet about Shohei Otani, all of his moves. Like, that's all I'm talking about next year. Yeah. Like, if Shohei Otani's a Blue Jay, you think I'm going to talk about the Raptors, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm already not talking about the Raptors. Right. Like, what, what, what's moving the needle here? Like, you know, it, he becomes, like, the entire spo- uh, sports ecosystem, like, for a nation. He becomes a cross-country salesperson for one of the biggest telecoms in the world. Like, you know, it's... He's everything to this place. And so I'm like, I wonder what the balance is of you're in LA. There's definitely more anonymity in terms of like where you stack. Like you're not LeBron James. Like he signs in LA. He's not the biggest athlete in LA. He signs in Toronto. He's the biggest free agent signing that has happened in the history of the country. He immediately becomes more famous than any athlete here, like by a large factor. Like I'm talking international here too. You think people know who Austin Matthews is more internationally than Shohei Otani? Like the answer is absolutely not. So yeah, I just... I wonder how he's calculating that part of this. It's fascinating to wonder, right? And how they, you know, vis-a-vis, like, and it's it's hard to make generalizations about, oh, you know, Canadians are this way or Torontonians are this way. But I do they feel like we alone. kind of are that more that way. Like, I do, I think that, dude, when you go to LA and you see a, if there's a celebrity, yeah. asking them for a selfie in public is like absolutely uh, not gauche. Right. You do that here, that's pretty cringy. Like, I know people who, like, I had a friend just recently, my buddy yeah. Chris, he saw Peter Forsberg after the Hall of Fame games. Peter Forsberg. And he's in downtown Toronto. And he was like very hesitant to ask him for a picture. And it was his friend that was like goading him on being like, dude, that's your hero. That's your childhood hero. Go take a selfie with him. And I do think that that is a difference between Canadians and Americans and especially like these two places is that like, and, and I know I work in sports, but like Steve Nash, my hero, I saw him at the Pan Am Games. He's walking down the street. I didn't, even, I just like give it a little head nod. Like I'm yeah. like, I'm not doing anything here. I do think that that is a bit more, a part of our culture is less of just, oh my God, there's a person, let's flock to that guy. Maybe it's an age group thing, maybe it's not, maybe I'm overstating it, but... I'd, I, lo- I'd like to think there's less celebrity worship here. That's what I mean. I, do, I don't think um, it's like that, where it, where part of the experience of being in LA is, if you yeah. see a celebrity, you're documenting it. That's just something I'd like to think as a citizen of this place, though. I don't like, there's kind of, you know, there's uh, a-holes everywhere, right? It's <laughs> kind of the thing. Like, there's, Yeah, of course. There's, I'm, the, there's, the baseline, the bottom of the bottom is the same everywhere yeah, you go, Yeah. right? What's, what's like, the average? Yeah, but the, I think the average in terms of if Shohei wanted to live some semblance of a normal life, if he wanted to step outside of his future condo that's right beside the Rogers Center and walk over, I don't think that he is going to have to deal with that in an insane way. Like, dude, and, and I know he's Shohei Otani, so it's a difference, but you've seen how many Blue Jays leave the facility at night and walk to their spot and no one says a damn word except for the one weirdo autograph seeker mm-hmm. that's 45 years old who's like, please, please, please. And you're like, ugh. Yeah, you no, you'll see Blue Jays riding around on scooters like outside yeah, that's the, what I'm uh, saying. <laughs> the Rogers Center after games. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like in, this is something he's dealt with for a long time. Like in Japan, they're like the word paparazzi is not like hyperbolic to suggest like what it was like with him in Japan. You know, mm-hmm. they were dudes on scooters following him around there. Someone told me a story. Yeah, there's no paparazzi here for you. That's that, yeah. that is a difference. That is a conclusive 100% bona fide difference between these two markets. There's no Toronto paparazzi. Like Drake gets pictures taken of him. That's international people. Like that's TMZ sending people to go cover Drake. That's not yeah. like a Toronto outlet. That's them hiring stringers or whatever. 
Yeah, and I think that, look, the Blue Jays would have done everything they can to recruit him, and they yeah. would have tried to sell this environment to him as well as they could. So that could have been part of it. I wonder how compelling it would be for Shohei. I wonder about his familiarity with Los Angeles and just understanding what life is like there, mm-hmm. right? So, like, that, like, familiarity and comfort and routine, like, that's important. So it's kind of like, what's the devil you know versus the devil you don't? Like, that would be something mm-hmm. that he could think about. Like, like I said, I try not to get too in his head because I understand that none of us know what he's thinking sure but that's part of the fun is that we actually don't know it would be less fun if this person was like a yeah this is what an interesting like there's been all this debate and discussion around a lot of the other very serious baseball people like yourself that have gone like this is a missed opportunity to grow the game and it's It's like i know it's like all this crying about like how this guy hasn't he should have taken more pictures at airports you're like why okay you really think like this to me this speculation and the following of this when you're actually in it has been infinitely more fun with the like not knowing than it yeah. would be if the guy was a book and he was kind of like teasing different places. No, um, do you want the Trevor Bauer where he's like no, going at yeah. journalists on Twitter and no. he's like, you know, creating these hype videos, of, you know, showing off a Blue Jays jersey? Like that happened. No, no, but, I'm like, that, but also, it's like, do you think that's growing the game? Like, you no. think that one person is like more into baseball now because they saw a tweet with a guy in a city? Like, do you want to sign the guy who's like anyway, that? No, the guy uh, who's worried about that, right? No. The guy who spends his time like and his energy on that? Or do you mm-hmm. want to? sign the guy who's kind of reclusive and really focused on making himself better and being the best baseball player possible yeah in japan like i'll tell a quick story he um like one day because he didn't have a car didn't have a driver's license they drove him like he left the facility in a car and like the media just hangs out around the facility like on outside of it so they see him going off in a car and they hop in the scooters they follow him and they tail him to the airport and everybody starts melting down. This is when he's in Japan with the fighters. And I, like, this is like breaking news. Joey Otani being taken to the airport. What is happening? Why? Where is he going? What is going on here? Is he leaving us? He's got his passport renewed. That was it. He's just trying to do like humdrum, run of the mill stuff. It was just something, an errand on his list. And he got someone to drive him there. But it was like headline news that he had gone to the airport. Mm-hmm. Like that's the level, like the intensity of coverage that he had. And still has, and probably will for the rest of his life in Japan. Yeah. I was going to say, I wonder what the also just traveling Japanese media party is just going to look like for this 50 guy. 50 people. You're it's credentialing like 50 people, maybe even more. And they're going to every game here? They're going to live in Toronto. Yeah, during that's, the season. that's what I mean. They're going to live in Dunedin for six weeks, and they're going to travel on the road. There's a beat that follows them around wherever he goes. Those people don't know where they're going to be in February right now. <laughs> they might be in LA, they might be in Toronto. Yeah. They have no idea. They might be in San Francisco. We should trade some. It's going to be, dude, so around the team, yeah. right, for, like, it's going to be interesting for people like me, if Shohei does sign, who are, you know, require some access to players to tell the stories we yeah, tell on broadcasts. Because Shohei doesn't talk on a daily basis, he only talks on start days, like, mm-hmm. after he starts. Every day, like, Kevin Biggio, Davis Schneider, Ernie Clement, these guys are going to have, like, 50 Japanese reporters coming up to them. Hey, what did you think of Shohei today? Hey, what did Shohei do? Hey, when Shohei had that hit in the game, how are you feeling? That's how, like, that's how that plays out. Because they have to still write their stories and tell stories back to Japan. People want information. So that's why they interviewed me. Like, that's why they mm-hmm. talked to me during the offseason, because Shohei wouldn't talk to them. So, like... Blue Jays players are going to, it's going to be a different environment for them if Shohei signs oh, from yeah. a media perspective. Well, especially you say Kikuchi, who I think if this is my other completely uh, uninformed theory, Yep, you're not just signing Shohei Otani to a $600 million deal. You're also extending Yusei Kikuchi like next <laughs> off season. And he's getting like, he's got you kind of over a barrel. He's like, yeah, well, uh, uh, I'm his buddy and I'm his comfort uh, and I'm his friend. That's going to be in a market. I'm someone who can relate to him. 
I actually don't think it should be overstated. Like this, I, I, like I don't think that you're getting uh, Shohei Otani because you have Yusei Kikuchi, but it's like I definitely think it helps you. I think it helps your position that he would have a friend who is living in the city that he can just like directly relate to, directly talk to, who already has a roadmap to the city, who has already been living here, and who actually was coming off of success last season rather than just like him hating it. Like imagine if it was 2.0 for Kikuchi here mm-hmm. and he's like, dude, don't come here. Everybody hates me. They, <laughs> it uh, sucks. Yeah. yeah. He's been part of this. Yeah. Like he's been part of the recruiting effort, like 100%. And like, could you imagine if, yeah. if the Blue Jays had just like fired him into the middle of Lake Ontario as everyone dude, wanted them to when is. he was struggling. Right. Or can you yeah. imagine what actually happened and the Blue Jays showed him compassion when mm-hmm. he was struggling, uh, perhaps a certain former manager excluded, uh, and helped him get back on track and gave him the resources that he needed and believed in him and trusted him and said, hey, you're still our guy. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're going to come into spring training and like we believe in the changes that you've made. You're going to be in our rotation, like supported him and lifted him back up and helped him get back on the right track in his career. Like the fact that they took that tact with him rather than the one that many people wanted them to, just trade him for anything, release him, he's broken, he's shattered, all that. The fact that the Blue Jays like had real compassion and put the athlete first and did what was best for Yusei Kikuchi, that's what he's going to relay to Shohei Otani uh, in trying to recruit him. It's like, here's how I was treated here. You know, you know, you didn't want to cause any speculation and, you know, dial too deep in the mind. But I think that uh, where we're getting to in this hour is that there's a pretty damn compelling case for Yusei Kikuchi, or sorry, for uh, <laughs> Shohei Otani to be a Toronto Blue Jay. And that, yeah, you know what, he's probably on that flight. Anyways, we got to take a quick break before we do that. Uh, Limp Biscuit will be coming to Budweiser Stage next year on July 24th as a part of the Loserville Tour. And we are giving away tickets. To enter, all you have to do is tune in to episodes of this show, the J.D. Bunkus Podcast, listen for the code word, then text the code word to 590-590. So today's code word is hot dog. Text hot dog to 590-590 right now to enter for your chance to win. We will be giving away tickets on Monday as well, but if you don't win with us, they're going to go on sale at ticketmaster.ca. And they are on sale, actually, as of right now, so do that. Uh, quick break, and let's return with Arden's Welling. What happens if he's not on that plane? All right, only a couple minutes before I sign off here. Arden Dwelling was nice enough to stay the entire hour and entertain all my musings, theories, and unfounded or uninformed. Might be the last day you get to do it, man. It's been a fun ride, honestly. It really has. The last week, that's what's crazy about all those big columnists yeah. like complaining about it, is that like the intrigue, the They're just the so interest. disconnected from reality. Yeah, it's been yeah. through the roof. No, that it's, it's just very clear that it's like, this is through your lens. That yeah. your job was harder to do for a couple of weeks and that you're pissed that you don't get to have your set vacation day, yeah. that you went to the winter meetings and that you had to do a million hits and basically repeat the same thing over and over again. And you didn't get to, you know, break down the impact of, uh, I mean, whatever. Your job's t- easier to do. Yeah. There's so much interest. There's so many angles. Yeah. Like you just lack creativity. Dude, if you I couldn't did find a, a talking point here. I did a week of Shohei Otani, two hours, almost every single day of talking about like him and the different angles. So it's like, I, I don't know. I don't feel like it's all that hard. Um, just wait until it's, uh, his looming opt out yeah. in, uh, in two years. And you got to talk about that. Yeah. I, be fun. I, I actually, I'm going to wrap up with something that I said, like, we're not going to talk about. And we talked about during the break, which is because it, there's no way of saying it without sounding like a shill, right? Which is, oh, wow, you actually have to give a ton of credit to ownership here. Like, and not that, oh, well, if they don't get them, like how much are you just going to lavish praise upon these people? It's like, no, but the idea that the Blue Jays have that center, that they've made these renovations and that they're going to be spending big money on this team. It's like they need return on investment and the Blue Jays are just no longer going to be 
like the up and down team anymore. It's like, this is a team that's here to win and stay and keep winning. Yeah. They are like behaving like a big market club as they should. They play in a big market and they have an incredibly wealthy ownership. So they should behave like the Yankees. They should behave like the Dodgers. But yeah, there's an offer on the table right now that is larger than any contract ever signed by any professional athlete in North American sports history. That's really all that needs to be said. Like that is a monumental moment. If this gets to the finish line, please get to the finish line. This is the show's finish line. Leave five stars, leave a review. And hopefully the next time you hear my voice, it's me screaming about. I can only imagine what that show would be like. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be a good show. (laughs) All right. Enjoy the rest of your day.